You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. Hello, hello. Welcome back, Leading Women in Tech. We are on episode 68 and we are in October. Things are great around here. In fact, they're so great because I have been churning out some amazing content over the last month. You may or may not have been aware, maybe you were part of it, but I did a 30-day leadership challenge during September. And oh my God, I had so much fun putting that content together. There's so much more I wanted to put into it. And I already know that if I run it again, I'm not going to do weekends because I think there was too much to the audience. And I'm like, oh my God, it has so much to share with you. So I've had a lot of fun. And I wanted to continue that. So I'm actually doing another five-part free training that I've just kicked off. So if you are listening to this the day it goes out, it's Tuesday. Video number three will have gone out. These are more spaced out. They're a bit more in-depth than what I did in the 30-day challenge. It is completely free. You don't need to sign up even. You can just head to tonycollis.com forward slash framework and you can just start watching. Parts one, two, and three are already there. You'll see the main one is the video that's most recently there. So if you're watching this the day the episode goes live, that'll be video three. If you're watching in a few days' time, it might be four or five. But underneath that, you'll see all the videos that have already been released. Make sure you watch them in order because they build on each other. Go ahead and watch. It is so, so powerful. I'm discussing what the Lit Up Leadership Framework is. That's in video one. And how you can use that framework to leverage your career more effectively, how you can move forward faster without burnout, and actually how the framework helps you avoid and recover from burnout. Because when you understand the framework that you can use in your career, and the Lit Up Leadership Framework is my framework for doing that. There are others out there. It's not unique, don't get me wrong. Um, but it's my approach to leadership development for us as individuals, not just for the corporations. And when you actually understand how to really leverage these sorts of models, you realize that burnout is actually coming about for all the wrong reasons. And when you lean into such a framework, you actually actively avoid it. It's also a great way to recover from burnout. So um, please go watch it. These videos are coming from my soul. I just can't help but put them out there. Um, I'm showing all my best stuff. So go and watch it. And there are two more videos to come, including developing your executive presence. I know that's a hot topic for many of you. And also, finally, a place to talk about a plan of action and how you put in place a plan that's going to help you in the long term. So head over to tonacollis.com forward slash framework to get started. Link is in your show notes. No need to sign up. Just land on that page and click watch. You, you ready? In fact, it's so good. I would actually say, go watch that and then come back to this episode, okay? You did that? You've listened to it? Great. Welcome back. <laughs> but on to today's topic for the podcast. Let's talk about your approaching performance evaluation. For many companies, these are starting sometime between now and the new year. Many companies actually do it in the new year, but I'm deliberately doing this now because I know some companies like to do them before Christmas 
Um, but if they are in the new year, I'm actually going to be telling you a little bit about what you need to be doing between now and your performance evaluation to make the most of your next performance evaluation. Now, here's the problem. Most performance evaluations are biased. I'm just going to put that out there, right? Many of you probably know that. Although every organization relies on a different evaluation process, most have a predictable pattern. First, Invite the employee, the individual, that's you, to write about their accomplishments and what they need to improve. You have to find something to improve. Then your manager writes an assessment of of your work, their work, whoever we're talking about here, and offers some feedback. And finally, rates performance on a scale of how well they are meeting expectations. Sounds familiar, right? What's the problem with all that? Well, What it's actually trying to do is codify a person's responses objectively. Okay, that sounds like a good thing, right? Codify responses. Codify suggests some level of check and balance. Okay, great. So there's a reward that's fair. We get given useful feedback. We get an opportunity to grow. Now, here's the problem. The problem is that open box piece that has an awful lot of power. I've worked with so many clients and hey, I've experienced this myself who at some point in their careers, they've been pushed into agreeing to an open box statement from their boss that describes basically that they aren't meeting expectations in some way or that something's just not right. And we're pushed into agreeing to it, even though we're not aligned with what's being said there. Does that sound familiar? I I pretty much expect that everybody who's worked for more than 10 years has experiences at least once. Well, here's the thing. Um, there is plenty of research around this, but I was actually reading some research not that long ago. Three sociologists at the VMware Women's Leadership Innovation Lab at Stanford agree. They found that the open box questions, which are ubiquitous, those open box questions for both managers and the person under evaluation bring in systemic bias that over time it gives a gendered variance in feedback. Yeah, gender comes into play here. And of course, That leads to different expertise being developed in men and women on a team and ultimately lead to different career trajectories. And if you know me, you know I'm not here for that. I am here to level this playing field. This is one of those barriers that we face as women that men face these barriers too, but they have a little hurdle to climb and we have a freaking mountain to climb. (laughs) Okay, Um, I'm not done. I'm just like done with this, right? I am so done with those mountains. I'm here to bring that down, turn it into rubble so you can just clamber over it, level the playing field. I mean, clamber maybe is harder than jumping a hurdle. I don't know, but at least bring it down a notch. So I want to talk today about performance evaluations. Now, I don't have a magic tool to make them go away. I don't have a magic tool to make your boss less biased. And by the way, even if they're female, they're going to be biased against women unless they've done a whole load of work on removing bias because human beings are all biased. Society has trained us our entire lives that women don't do technical work. They don't do STEM subjects. And therefore, we as women are biased against women. Yes, we are. (laughs) I am. Even with all the years of work I've been doing, whenever I go and do an unconscious bias assessment, I am biased against women. And I'm like, really? With everything I do, how is this possible? But we are, okay? So don't assume just because you have a lovely, amazing boss or a female boss or both those two things that they're not going to be a problem. The problem is that we're human, okay? (laughs) Bias is a reality. That doesn't mean that we should accept it. But don't don't make the mistake of saying it doesn't exist and don't make the mistake of saying, well, it's unavoidable, therefore I just have to deal with it. You do have to deal with it, but you can deal with it in the right way. 
that's what I want to talk about today. I'm not here to tear down your boss. I'm not here to make you go and tell your boss to do unconscious bias training or anything like that. There's a debate about whether or not that works, by the way. Different subject for another day. What I do want to do today is give you tools and techniques to get through your performance evaluation in the most productive way, okay? That's what we're talking about today because there are ways to make this go as well as possible, to steer it, to own it, to ensure that actually it's a tool for a professional development, which is what actually they're supposed to be, rather than a tool to hold you back or steer you in a different direction. Sound good? Well, keep listening. (laughs) So let's talk about, first of all, your feelings around the performance evaluation season. So you may be approaching this season with a sense of trepidation. For many of us, even if we're high achievers, it looms a little bit like the report cards we used to get in work and we're wondering, am I going to get what I know I deserve? What doors will be opened? What doors are going to be slammed shut? After all, this single, often only once a year evaluation can have profound effects on our careers, right? Raises, bonuses, promotions, and not to mention just opportunities to take on more exciting projects that demonstrate your potential all often depend either primarily or entirely on an employee evaluation or performance appraisal. It's no secret that managers also dislike these performance reviews. Indeed, you may be such a manager, right? You have to do them. Oh gosh, I've been here, right? (laughs) You have to do them. There's this mandate from on high. They're a bit of a waste of time and nobody takes them seriously. But guess what? Somebody's taking them seriously. They go on your report. They go on your permanent HR record. It may be referred to when somebody writes a reference about you in the future. I've certainly worked places where it's just casually accepted all around that this is a procedure that everyone just has to get through once a year. And typically it goes hand in hand with the organization that doesn't know how to otherwise provide continuous regular feedback. Gosh, that all sounds really depressing, right? (laughs) That's not my goal for this episode. I want you to learn how to go from feeling helpless because the person who writes your evaluation is wielding all the power and instead turn this into a situation where you get to use it to up-level. Because that's what we're here for around here, right? Up-leveling you, allowing you to bloom and be extraordinary. While you don't have a lot of control over the situation potentially, you do have some and possibly more than you realize. So we're talking about getting in place a strategy for dealing with your review so that you alleviate some of the stress and actually also improve your outcome. So let's start with the very beginning, the ramp up, the period between now and your next performance evaluation, even if it's in three or six months time. Yes, I want you to be working on this from now. And you're like, oh my gosh, I've got a hundred other things to do. Stick with me. Hopefully you're going to understand as I talk through what I'm asking you to focus on, that this is actually going to help all throughout everything you're doing. So stick with me here. I want you to dig out that last performance evaluation. I want to refresh yourself on it. Believe me, your boss is going to do this probably the day before or the hour before your next evaluation. I just want you to do it well before that. Now, here's the thing. I want you to get ahead of schedule, right? A lot of the time, especially in an organization that doesn't take performance evaluations very seriously, but they're still used to make important decisions like pay rises and promotions and things like that. Basically, it gets filed and it gets forgotten about. And then it's brought out a year later and somebody says, well, you didn't work on any of this. I want you to take action, right? Somebody agreed to what went in that review document, okay? I want you to take action on it. I want you to demonstrate progress. 
I want you to own the progress. That's really what I want you to do. I want you to go through and show how are you showing progress in these areas? How are you using these areas to deliver on business goals? By the way, by doing that, you are going to be clearly demonstrating your business awareness. So what I want you to do is bring up what was agreed, like get the list and say, hey, in your next one-on-one, I want you to be like, hey, so I've got the list of actions that were brought up in the performance evaluation six months ago, three months ago, whenever it was. I just want to quickly go over them. And then I want you to highlight not only what was in that evaluation, but how you're developing the progress you've made and how that delivers on business goals. Because when you actually talk about business goals in relation to your action, you're clearly demonstrating your business awareness. You are a leader. After all, you need business awareness. If you're looking for support in your professional development, maybe that was agreed to. Now's the time to demonstrate how that will help the business and then make the ask again. Now, don't expect your boss to connect the dots. Do it for them. Yes, state the obvious, right? By the way, I've been working on this. This was agreed in the performance evaluation last year. Here's what I've been doing. I've achieved A, B, and C. And you're like, oh my gosh, I have to state the obvious. Yes, you do have to state the obvious. Firstly, because your boss has a hundred things other than you to be concerned about, which is one of the reasons why this performance evaluation sits on the shelf until it comes down from on high that it needs to be paid attention to. And secondly, because joining the dots demonstrates your business acumen and builds your credibility. So don't shy away from stating the obvious. Even if you don't get support you're after in order to get some training or get buy-in for some changes you want to make, you are demonstrating that you have business acumen, you have awareness of what the business needs, what your team needs, what your boss needs, and also you're showing that you care about your professional development in such a way that it's aligned with the business. One of the mistakes I see a lot of early career women make is they suddenly realize the power of advocating for themselves, which I applaud. And then they make it all about them, like what I want, what I need. And I'm sorry, but (laughs) I hate to break it to you, but your organization is paying you a wage to do a job. Now, it happens to serve them a lot of the time to take care of you, to keep you happy. But ultimately, they're there to make money. We live in a capitalist society. Until we get rid of that, and that's a different discussion for another day, we have to take into account that ultimately, Your boss isn't there to make you super happy. That's a side benefit. They do it because it improves performance. They do it because it improves retention of really talented staff. They don't do it just because. So if you are focused on I want, I want, I want, which I have seen many, not just women, by the way, actually all early career people who, (laughs) and actually late career, basically, I think there's this point in our careers where we suddenly realize we have power to ask And we go from never asking for anything to, oh my gosh, I want, and it backfires. And then we go back into this shell. I don't want that for you. I want you to ask in such a way that you're saying, I would like to do this because it is going to achieve A, B, and C for the business. I want you to do that linking up. That's what so many people miss. When you start doing that, suddenly people are going to start really caring about you. So do that. Do that right now. (laughs) Okay. So the next step, like once you've had that initial conversation where you've brought up the fact that you've been looking at your review, what progress you've currently made and maybe made an ask, I now want you to start sharing your progress regularly. Don't expect your boss to notice, make sure they notice. In fact, bring up where you think you've made progress and why. 
share what you've been doing, learning and thinking differently to achieve the goals set out in that last review, then link it to business progress. I recommend doing this about once a month, right? Minimum once a quarter. And then I also want you to ask for feedback. This piece is so important. If you ask for feedback, you are more likely to then get your boss thinking about your progress. If you just say, I've been doing this and this, they aren't linking the change in you to what they told you you needed to do to get your next promotion or whatever. You need to get your boss to emotionally invest in seeing you progress, asking for feedback, asking for them to mentor you in a very specific area is a great way to do that. Literally, that change can be the difference between them promoting you and not. I've seen this so, so many times. And don't blame them for that, by the way. It's human nature. We're all so busy it's hard to see until we decide to pay attention to something and you're just calling attention to a specific thing. If you were told, for example, that you need to learn how to be more assertive in order to get promoted, you need to call attention to that one thing, not 10 others, that one thing. You need to say, hey, I've been working on my assertiveness skills. Here's what I've been doing. I've been speaking up more in these meetings. It would be really helpful for me to know whether or not you've seen the kind of change in behavior you're after, is this what you're talking about? Have you any more advice to give me? That sort of thing. They suddenly start paying attention to you for the things you want them to pay attention to, right? Getting your boss to mentor you and give feedback in a specific area is such a fast way to get them to notice your progress, even if you aren't actually learning anything from them, right? <laughs> so just because they don't actually have any useful advice, which, you know, we all have bosses like that one, don't don't dismiss this tactic, right? It can be still super helpful because they're just going to pay more attention to the one thing that you need them to pay attention to. So I want you to start this now. Share with your boss what you've been doing, any courses you've taken, any practice you've been doing out of hours. Maybe you've been told to work on your public speaking. So discuss how you volunteered for interviews more. Hey, I have a number of people that come on my podcast to practice public speaking, right? It's a thing. <laughs> so in fact, I was interviewed on a podcast just last week where the, the guy who started the podcast, he told me he started it because he wanted to improve his public speaking. I'm not suggesting you start a podcast. It's kind of a big ask, but you kind of get my point. There are going to be things you're doing outside of work. You need to tell your boss if it's one of the things that was being identified as something you need to work on for that next step. Tell them. Don't expect them to notice the change if you want telling them what you're doing. Tell, maybe you were told to work on your strategy development. Mention a course you've taken and whether you pay for it yourself or your boss paid for it. Don't assume they remember that request for a course you did six months ago, okay? Even better, been getting a coach? Ask your coach to write a report on the progress you've been making and share it with your boss. Better yet, get your coach and your boss to have a conversation about your professional development. Ideally, more than once so they can see progress together. Ideally, get your coach and your boss to have a conversation more than once so that your boss can see the progress you're making, can be feeding back into the conversations, really elevate your presence. Okay, so now you've got an idea of how to make the most of the time between now and your next evaluation. Now what? Well, let's talk about actually preparing for that next evaluation. First, if this is a new company for you, I want you to get familiar with the process. Fear of the unknown is often the worst part of the process. So if this is the first time you'll be having a review in your current company, ask co-workers what to expect. Actually, that also extends to maybe you've moved teams or you've got a new boss. Ask around, see how this boss operates. Obviously, if they're new to the company, you know, you're not going to know, but you'll kind of know the major processes that it's going to go through. 
Now, if it's your first one, there is no better time than now to ask for feedback. I told you I was going to give you some explicit advice on like what to do if you've not had one before and you're still several months away. I want you to encourage your boss to be giving you feedback, right? After all, the performance evaluation is supposed to be about giving you really helpful feedback. It's just it shouldn't be once a year. It's just what's mandated, right? What I want you to do is ask your boss for some feedback on the first few months of your job or however long it is you've been around. Write up what they've told you. (laughs) Share it with them. Put in place an action plan for between now and your evaluation date. Share that with them. Get them to buy into your action plan. But take ownership of it. Be proactive. And then do what I was saying before for somebody who's working on their previous evaluation. Share regular updates on what you're doing to address the areas mentioned. Okay, so assuming you're all ready for your evaluation, what's next? Preparing a self-review. Now, in the one or two or three weeks before your evaluation, I want you to do a self-review. I want you to list your achievements and accomplishments from the last year. You might be mandated to do this. I want you to spend a bit more time than you typically do doing it. I actually highly recommend you track your accomplishments all year round. I encourage everybody to have a success log that they fill in every Friday. Um, and you make sure you find something to celebrate every week. This has so many good things about it, which I'm not going to go into today. But one of the big ones is you will have a very long list at the end of 12 months of all the stuff you've accomplished, big and small. And a lot of that stuff you'd otherwise forget. Secondly, this actually also really, really helps you when you're building a resume, covering letters, you're interviewing. You've just got to remember all the things that you've done that tick all all the various boxes. You've got a long list. So track this stuff all year round. But then spend a little bit of time doing a bit of a self-review just before your evaluation comes up. Refresh yourself, order things, align things with what was mentioned in previous feedback sessions, like areas you needed to work on. What did you accomplish that ticked off those boxes? Link it all up. Do that work for your boss, right? It's really, really important to do that. I also want you to link those accomplishments and achievements, not just up with your performance and evaluation from last year and the the work plan that you have in place or any feedback that you've been told to work on. But I also want you to link it explicitly to benefits for your employer. For example, have there been higher profits because of work you've done? Have you reduced errors? Have you reduced failure rates? Have you reduced the cost of the QA team? Reduced team turnover? All sorts of things could be going on here. Metrics are a great thing to be gathering as part of your weekly success logging, by the way. And I really want you to link it all up as part of this pre-self-review exercise. Highlight everything you want to discuss during the review and gather any documentation that you need to back up your claims. This is going to set you up for success because even if you're blindsided in the review, you're going to be so fresh on all the things that you've achieved that even if something's brought up that you're like, whoa, where did that come from? That came out of left field. You're going to have something probably top of mind to help counter it. It's such an important thing to do, and most people don't spend enough time doing this. Next, prepare for different outcomes. Now, I really hope that your evaluation goes well, and I reckon if you've done everything I've said up until this point, it's going to, right? You've increased the chances of this by prepping for that self-review and ensuring you've been working on your agreed-upon actions all year round. Great. But sometimes things go awry, and there are lots of reasons for this. The most upsetting, of course, being bias... But either way, it makes sense to prepare so you aren't blindsided because simply having some plans in place is going to allow you to deal with a curveball so much more easily and smoothly. 
So let's deal with the positive outcome first. Yes, prepare for the positive outcome. Make sure you take the initiative after a positive review and make an ask. You'll hopefully still have areas for growth and development, so be ready to ask for support in that. Maybe you know that next year is the year you want to have a coach. Capitalize on a positive review by making the ask for financial support for coaching. Talk about your growth, the areas where you know the company needs you to step up and ask for coaching to support in that. If you've just had a positive review, they are more likely to want to support your professional development, believe it or not. And particularly, if you can link your professional development areas with where it's going to help the company, it's a win-win-win all round. Ultimately, prepare for what you know you need and how you'll make that ask off the back of a great review and just be ready to present it aligned with everything that's been discussed. You can use the same mechanism for a mediocre review outcome. You'll be positioning yourself slightly differently and you need to prepare your mindset so you aren't second guessing yourself. But ultimately, you want to demonstrate that you want to grow and that you would like support in doing so. But let's talk about the one none of us want, that bad review. Now, you might think that by preparing for it, you're encouraging a bad outcome. And, you know, I don't want you to lean into this being an inevitability, even if you have a bad relationship with your boss. But a plan will help you respond appropriately and calmly if things don't go to plan, which at the end of the day is an executive presence skill. So I want you to develop a plan in advance of needing one to avoid making some serious mistakes. The most important thing to do is to resist the temptation to react immediately. You're very likely to go into defensive mode and that never solves any problems for anyone. Allow yourself to cool down and ask your boss a few days later for a one-to-one. I like to have a list of, here's what I'll do in this situation for when I know I'm going to be emotionally triggered. I have this for all sorts of things. I know that if I'm going to be upset by something, I can just turn to my action plan of things to do. That applies with this too. If there's a possibility of a bad outcome, have a a to-do list that you will just action. Something like, okay, I have a bad outcome. I am not going to react in the moment. Two days later, I will send this email. Draft that email. You can use it year after year after year, right? (laughs) Draft that email. Have it in in that list you're going to turn to when you're emotionally triggered. And that email is going to ask to have a sit down with your boss. Having a couple of days to call off will hopefully make you more objective. And two things are going to happen. One of two things. Possibility one is you are going to see clearly how this is unfair, at which point you're going to go along with clear examples that counter the criticisms, but you're going to do this from a just a cooler place. You may have felt too overwhelmed in the discussion of your accomplishments during the original evaluation. So calling down is the perfect time to actually go in and counter, not be defensive, but say, hey, actually, this is all the evidence I have that demonstrates A, B and C. Well worth discussing unfair reviews with your boss. The other possibility is that you are going to see that actually the feedback was fair or moderately fair and it's going to allow you to step away from defensive mode. If that's the case, still keep your appointment with your boss, even if you decide the review was accurate and instead use the meeting to go over the ways to improve and put in place clear actions that you and your boss really believe are going to make the difference because I don't want you to have another bad review. I want one, this final bad review to be the last one. Actually, if you've done every, if you've got a couple of months before your review and you do everything I said, chances are things are going to go quite well. But then what happens? Well, next year is time to use your evaluation as a tool all year round. Make sure you bring up the action plan, your progress and what you need next in terms of support, advice, 
formal or informal mentoring, coaching, training, whatever it is, make sure you bring that up at least quarterly, ideally monthly for feedback purposes. It can literally take five minutes in a one-on-one once a month. But don't expect your boss to be bringing this up. The only time bosses really bring this up is if there's a problem, right? In general, there are always exceptions to every rule. So if your boss brings this up and they do it with everybody, don't panic. I'm not saying you're about to be let go. But in general, as bosses, we have so much to do that we only worry about the problem things, right? So I want you to take ownership of your professional development and take five minutes once a month to share your progress and get some feedback and get some buy-in to your progression. Own your progress. That simple step alone can be the one thing that accelerates you above all else. And by the way, on that note, if you know you need help with your progress, I wanted to let you know that doors will be opening up this coming weekend to the Lit Up Leadership Academy. I am so damn excited about this. In case you don't know about the Lit Up Leadership Academy, it's my monthly leadership development membership program where I train women and coach women. Yes, you get executive coaching as part of this, even though it's a monthly membership. And I train you in leadership for the tech industry. This is not your normal leadership development program. In fact, I don't think there's anything else like it out there because although there are women's leadership programs and there's tech leadership programs, there's the only one I know of that's for women in tech, right? It is it is unique in its approach and it, it just, it has been years in the making. It's like my lifeblood has gone into this. You get on-demand training, monthly coaching and so, so much more. And because it's designed as a monthly membership, you get complete flexibility. You get to try it out, decide if you love it. And should you decide you don't love it, which I am pretty sure that's not going to be the case, but if you did, you only have to do a month. It's great, hey? So here's the great bit. This is a great program to ask for support for from your employer. Yes, really. Of the women who have worked with me who have asked for financial support, 80% of those who ask receive full or partial funding to work with me in some capacity. And I want that for you too, right? And this program is super accessible. I've deliberately built it to be exactly what women need as early and mid-career managers. And I know that professional development budgets are often limited, even though actually this is the point where we most need professional development. Often those big budgets are reserved for people later on in their careers, which drives me nuts. So I've really tried to make this as accessible as possible so that you can develop and grow very, very quickly. And by the way, then get those big budgets later on. which is why I've kept the price super low at just $297 per month. If this sounds like what you need, I want you to do two things right now. Firstly, go to tonycollis.com forward slash framework. Watch the videos that I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, because you're going to get an idea of how I teach, how I educate, how I work. Okay, it's not how I coach, not able to coach you asynchronously like that. But if you like what you hear, you can then click on the button at the top of the page for a free sneak peek inside the academy. I am opening the doors to allow you to see what goes on behind the curtain. I'm giving you completely free access to several of the trainings inside the academy so you can get a taste of what's involved, see if you like it, and if you do, hopefully then sign up when the doors to the academy open. You'll also get a special email from me if you sign up for the sneak peek, giving you details on how to ask your boss for support to participate in the program. I mean, I'm talking like writing the email for you, preparing you for the conversation. I'm making it as super easy as possible. So if that sounds good to you, head over to tonycollis.com forward slash framework to get access to that sneak peek. 
But let's finish up with a leadership mindset moment on your performance evaluation. In case you're new around here, a leadership mindset moment is an actionable tip to help you adjust how you act or think on the topic of today's podcast. And today, I want to talk about slowing down. I think it's one of my favorite topics, actually. <laughs> All too often, when we're triggered around performance, actually, when we're, uh, whenever we're triggered in any meeting, in every, any situation, we struggle to get perspective, right? The triggering, it just sort of, it turns our brains into and a very unhelpful sort of like hamster wheels, I sort of feel. I want you to practice the executive skill of actively choosing to slow down. When you do this, you actually long-term speed up. I talk about slowing down to speed up a lot with my clients and they possibly get a little bit annoyed with that phrase, but hey-ho, they still work with me. <laughs> and, and it's a really, really important. In the moment, it feels like the last thing you want to do is to slow down. But it is the thing that actually allows you to get out of this hamster wheel mode that's actually not going anywhere. It's just turning on the spot. Get out of your own head, get that perspective, and that allows you to then speed up again. So how do we do this? Well, there's a lot of work that we need to practice to get really good at this, but I'm going to give you the basics so you can start practicing. The first step is to simply notice that you're being triggered. That's it. Notice. This is something you can practice in every meeting you have. Start looking out for when people are saying things that trigger you. If you don't notice until afterwards, start reflecting at the end of every day. How many times was I triggered today? What triggered me? Who triggered me? Why did they trigger me? And gradually build that in so it's a regular thing you're noticing. And and what will happen if you do this enough is you'll start noticing earlier and earlier instead of at the end of the day when you consciously ask the question you'll start noticing five minutes later oh I was triggered just then and ultimately if you do this enough you're going to start noticing in the moment that you're being triggered that you're having an emotional reaction that's not serving you next step consciously pause yes really once you've learned how to actually notice in the moment that you're being emotionally triggered pause stop what you're doing take a deep breath If you're in a room with other people, take a slow sip of water. I do this all the time and it looks normal, partly because I cough a fair amount with my asthma. (laughs) But allow yourself to just be for a moment. People are not going to really notice you slow down. Most of us speak far too fast, myself included. And actually pausing for a second doesn't look as weird as you might think it does. Take a deep breath, slow down. Okay, now ask yourself, How can I turn what's been said into an opportunity to grow and demonstrate this growth? Now, really, this one is only to be used for your performance evaluation. The rest of it is an executive skill you can apply to any situation. What you're going to ask yourself needs to change depending on the situation. But in the performance evaluation situation, you want to be asking yourself, how can I turn this into an opportunity to grow? How can I demonstrate growth? What do I need to do to flip this agenda around? In fact, if you are struggling, ask your boss that. Ask them, yeah, how how can I grow further here? How should I be growing? What can I be doing differently? Instead of getting all defensive and jumping into something that isn't going to help you. I want you to really learn how to reframe this triggering situation as a jumping off point for something extraordinary. Then ask for the support for that extraordinary step from your boss to get there. Simply learning how to step out of that defensive mode, which is natural when we're feeling triggered, and turning this into an opportunity is going to make you appear very different to your boss. It can really change the nature of these conversations. It's not easy. I'm not belittling how uncomfortable this is, how hard it is to do this. 
is a skill that many people only learn as executives and actually it's what allows you to become an executive, which is why so few people get there. So you may not be able to do it straight away, but aim to take some time over the next few days to formulate an upwards trajectory that excites you, to really learn how to notice, pause and reframe. Get that perspective, then put in place some actions to make progress. Does that sound good? That's it for today's episode. Don't forget to go and grab yourself a sneak peek inside the Tup Leadership Academy at tonycollis.com forward slash framework. But until next time, remember, stay on your tech leadership game. Follow your dreams because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.